Hello, this is Discover, and we take customer service very seriously. We know that if you have a question or concern about your credit card, that's a serious matter, and you need to talk to a real person about it. So we offer around-the-clock access to seriously talented representatives in the USA. Again, it's a serious endeavor. The only funny thing about it is Bob. If you call us and Bob answers, you're in for a treat. Get 100% U.S.-based customer service and talk to a real person day or night. Discover exceptionally common sense. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Sunday, March 29th. You are hearing this on Monday, March 30th, and Brendan, I should be getting ready uh, t- tomorrow on Monday, not as we're recording this, but tomorrow, uh, getting my John Lester jersey on and I probably a long sleeve tee, maybe a hat per, I think it was going to be around 50, but, and heading to Wrigley Field. But as we've talked about a lot, that is not where the world is at. There is no baseball. There is no home opener, etc. So just kind of like we talked with Brett Taylor from Bleacher Nation last time, at least on this Monday, it, it's going to be filled with, with a little bit of uh, what we should have been doing, lamenting that a little bit. Well, we have MLB The Show now, so you can go on there and see how John Lester performs in your Wrigley Field debut. But uh, we'll get through it. I, I think two, three more months, just bunker down, and it will go by fast. That's all That's all we can do at this point. Yeah, so as we've been saying on, on all of these episodes, uh, certainly baseball not the most important thing in the world here. Hope you guys are doing well in your isolation and, and staying safe and healthy and, and all your family and friends are all right. Uh, but we are here with another episode to give you something to to take your mind off things. That is certainly what it does for Brendan and I. So always going to be throwing out that that little starter there. But we have uh, another, you know, unique episode for you. Uh, look, I would be happy to come on here and reminisce about the 2016 playoffs and the 2016 World Series, which is won by the Chicago Cubs mm-hmm. yeah. every time. But we might be here a while doing this without actual baseball to cover. So every now and again, we're going to try to give you something else to listen to. And I told you kind of when this process started that we were reaching out to some guests. Uh, We already had Brett on. That was his first time on the podcast. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that one. It didn't didn't catch as much flack as I was expecting for for some of those answers. But maybe you guys uh, agreed with us or just have other things going on. Uh, You might be watching The Tiger King on Netflix, probably, if I'm guessing. But anyway, we could do that every time, but we're going to try to keep things interesting, mix things up for you. We can always go back to talking about the 2016 World Series when we run out of good ideas for for new things. That'll be our fallback. So uh, today, uh, after Brendan and I talked to you for a little bit here at the outset, we spoke to one of the top prospects in the Cubs system, a rising name. And I think someone that we've talked about a little bit before on this podcast, but certainly since this is not a uh, prospect heavy 
podcast a name that you should know already or that you should be paying attention to, and that is Brennan Davis. He finished last year with the South Bend Cubs. He is only 20, uh, but he is quickly rising through the ranks. And as we get into in the interview, uh, someone who has put up some really special numbers in in a short time in the minors and, and really looks like someone who is going to do some special things for this Cubs organization. So after uh, we finish just chatting a little bit here for, for the intro, we will air that interview. It was very nice of Brennan to take the time to come on and talk with us. And uh, hopefully you guys learn a little bit about him and will ultimately uh, be a name that you guys are more familiar with. Uh, I don't think, spoiler, I don't think you're going to have a choice to be more familiar with it. Uh, This guy is really good, really talented, and I think as you'll hear in the interview, has has a good head on his shoulders and, and is, is an intellectual guy and, and someone who is going to make those necessary adjustments as he goes on through his career to be a, a very successful baseball player. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. Uh, before we jump into that, Brendan, anything on your radar as far as the the current world is concerned? I know that as we are recording this, they are going to air in the run for the ring on Marquee, which we've been kind of keeping up with. Game five of the World Series is on Sunday night, so that, of course, is the lone game that the Cubs win at Wrigley Field in the 2016 World Series, and of course, the start of three straight wins that the Cubs need to ultimately come back from a 3-1 deficit and win the World Series. But I don't know if you've been watching along with that or how you're getting your your baseball fix uh, during this current time, Brendan. I was watching uh, Korean baseball, Corey, live. Oh, wow. Live baseball, yeah. So I saw that... I forgot what time it was on. It was late at night. I'm like, you know what? Why not? There's nothing else going on. So I was watching Korean baseball. Half their players were wearing masks, and they had empty stadiums. And so it was something that we might live with once Major League Baseball comes back as well in terms of the empty stadiums and that type of atmosphere. But I was curious to see what that was like. And it was still fun. Like I, I watched about four to five innings. There was some good competition, some good plays in the infield, which I appreciated. But that's what I'm doing. I'm watching some Korean baseball every now and then, and I'm watching some of those highlights from uh, the World Series run in 2016. Okay, then. Uh, yeah, I have not gotten into that. I, I did. I think I mentioned before when I was in the Yankees front office, I watched a ton of NPB games uh, because that was nice. around the time that the Yankees were scouting Masahiro Tanaka and also Kenta Maeda, I think, either uh, shortly after or around the same time. So I am uh, I have watched my fair share of those games. So That's I on my list. I want to go to some of those games in Japan, those NPB games. The atmosphere looks yeah, absolutely insane. I know you and I, we went to the World Baseball Classic a few years ago uh, to one of the Japanese games. And wow, like the the cultural difference between American baseball fans and Japanese baseball fans is so obvious in like the way they experience the games. Like I feel like we in America need to learn from what they're doing to to bring up the atmosphere. It was pretty remarkable. Yeah, there's a lot more like coordinated chants. Oh my and god, there's like bands in the and, outfield and things it's like unreal. that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a a fun atmosphere and obviously there's there's no crowds uh at these games now but 
if you have the opportunity to just peruse through other cultures and the way that they uh, play baseball and, and experience those. It's always it's it's always uh, interesting to see the differences, and they they're certainly having a good time. So uh, all for that. But I I think that's that's pretty much all that that we we have for you. I I would be remiss if I if I didn't mention just because Game Five is airing tonight on Marquee Sunday night. Uh, you guys are hearing this on Monday. Maybe enjoyed the game or watch the highlights. I know Game Seven was on FS1 a couple times last week, so you you may be all over the place in your 2016 playoff viewing. Though I would be guessing, at least this is true for me, I'm happy to watch the games out of order and as many times as anybody's willing to put them on TV. So uh, no problem there that I've already seen Game 7 within the last week and then we'll uh, watch it again when Marquis gets there. Although I never watched the entire game, but I digress on that. But I just wanted to say uh, about Game 5 in particular, uh, and and I don't know if any of you guys out there had the opportunity to go to any of the World Series games at Wrigley Field, um, but I was lucky enough to go to Game 5, and I was able to go to that game with both of my parents, uh, which was really special, just being able to go to a World Series game uh, with two people that I had gone to Wrigley Field with for my entire life and hundreds of games at Wrigley Field to to be there at at Wrigley watching them in the World Series and ultimately watching them win a World Series game uh, is something that I will never forget. But more importantly than that was I was able to go to the game with my grandmother uh, who has been a Cubs fan for uh, most of her life and uh, was a season ticket holder for a lot of her life. Uh, She has pictures in her apartment still uh, of being down the the third baseline by the Cubs' old bullpen and pictures with Glenn Beckert, and she tells stories all the time about how times were certainly different then, but, you know, she could bring brownies and other things that she had made for the players, and they all knew her name (laughs) and stuff like that, and and there was just more uh, fraternizing with with the fans and the players at that time, but, uh, you know, she has so many pictures from the days with Glenn Beckert. Glenn Beckert was her favorite. That's why I keep mentioning him, Uh, but Ron Sano and, and, and some of these other guys and uh, to be able to be there with her uh, seeing the Cubs play in the World Series at Wrigley Field, uh, you know, for the, the the first time that she was able to be there and witness it is is really special. Uh, and that's one of those moments when, you know, I think a lot of us feel that generational sense of connection with the Chicago Cubs and and that's something that that makes the Cubs uh, very special and, and and somewhat unique in in the sports sphere uh, just that there is such a nation and worldwide connection with the Cubs obviously because of WGN and, and that it just spans so many generations and, and it's always passed down so uh, I just wanted to throw that out there that that game five is is obviously they win uh, so it, it, they they win and John Lester starts that game. So obviously it holds a special <laughs> place in my heart. But more than that, it it, it just is one of those uh, really really special nights uh, amongst many that happened in October and November of 2016. Uh, but that one is is always going to to stand out for me. So I'm going to enjoy that broadcast and and those memories. Also, uh, again, like very uh, specific to me. But Eddie Vedder does sing the seventh inning stretch. The best in game five inning stretch of all time by the way in my yeah so guest seventh inning stretch perhaps yeah yeah Yeah. uh but 
Yeah, so really everything about that game is pretty on brand for me. Trevor Bauer also suffers his second, that is correct, you heard that right, his second second loss of the 2016 World Series, which if you do some quick math there, that's 50% of the 2016 World Series losses suffered by the Cleveland Indians, handed to Trevor Bauer, couldn't happen to uh, a better person. So uh, that is certainly a, a deserved statistic in history, but... John Lester starts it. Eddie Vedder sings the stretch. I'm there with my parents and my grandmother. The Cubs win. They eventually go on to win the World Series. Very special. Uh, so game five, uh, hope you guys enjoy. And uh, Brendan, I, I don't know if you have anything else, uh, but if not, we will turn it over to our interview with Brennan Davis. And hopefully I'm enunciating properly because my co-host is Brendan. Uh, the Cubs top prospect is Brennan. So, so just something I want to keep clear because somebody <laughs> on this podcast is very fond of mentioning how good he was at baseball in high school and how highly touted of a, a yes. player that he was. Uh, and and just, ju- just to be clear, the top prospect in the Cubs system is Brennan Davis. My co-host is Brendan Miller. Big difference, yeah. but just want to make sure I pointed that out. Well, if I didn't hurt my knee, you know, you could have been interviewing me and not Brennan Davis, but we'll, we'll imagine that in a different world. But let me just set the stage for like what Brennan Davis was doing uh, last year, because it's pretty remarkable. So if we look at players in A-ball under 20 years old, and we look at their strikeout rates and their power numbers, there are very few players that have good power numbers with good strikeout numbers. And you just filter by strikeout rate in ISO, so isolated power, Brennan Davis has the best ratio in minor league baseball at that level. That's insane to think about. There's been a few players in years past within the Cubs system that have had that, one of which or one of whom was Eloy Jimenez, for example, who, of course, now is emerging as one of the, the premier young players in the league. So to have that contact and power combination is so rare. And I want to point that out now because it shows that Brennan Davis has a high likelihood of succeeding not only overall, but fast and to get through the system fast. This is, this is a big deal and something that uh, I enjoy talking with Brennan about and I'm excited to see him develop and get to Wrigley sooner rather than later. I think it'll be pretty fast. Yeah. So again, hopefully you guys enjoy this interview. Uh, We will uh, finish off with the interview once that interview ends. Uh, So will this episode of the Cubs Related Podcast. So I will do my outro here. Uh, Hopefully you guys enjoy this interview as always with this current situation. Hopefully you guys are staying safe and healthy and keeping your your sanity up while you are stuck at home. Uh, But we will get through this together and hopefully we are back uh, talking at least about Chicago Cubs baseball and heading to Wrigley Field at, at some point in the near future here. But as always, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy our interview with one of the top prospects in the Chicago Cubs system, Brennan Davis. And as always, go Cubs. Bet Saratoga this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Go to nyrabets.com for details and sign up today. Okay, so we are here with one of the Chicago Cubs top 
prospects, and that would be Brennan Davis. He spent the 2019 season at South Bend. Brennan, it is a pleasure to have you on the Cubs Related Podcast. Just wanted to start, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, Brennan is one of the top prospects in the Cubs system, as I said, uh, is only 20 years old and was born on November 2nd. And that is a particularly important date in Chicago Cubs history. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, Brennan. There, there, there's something there to uh, a young kids such as yourself rising through the ranks, a top prospect, born on the date the Cubs win the World Series, right? <laughs> that is a funny, funny way to look at it, but <laughs> I'm sure it's it's just a qu- coincidence. Maybe that will go on the uh, the Wrigley Field video board when you debut in the next year or two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I fun, would think. Fun fact. Yeah, I would think we will we will continue hearing about that as uh, most Cubs fans are pretty fond of uh, remembering that particular date. But first, just wanted to ask you, Brennan, how are you handling uh, the situation right now? And and more specifically for a professional athlete such as yourself with an uncertain timeline like we have now, for, for those of us that maybe, uh, certainly Brennan and I are not professional athletes, uh, how do you go about staying in shape and, and especially without knowing when you might be back out there and needing to be in like full game ready shape? What are, what are your days look like, and, and how do you know exactly how to train and, and how to keep up with things? Yeah, so it's, it's at, like the first week was really tough because everybody, all my friends, everybody I know in pro ball, even in college, especially guys in college getting ready for the like pre-draft workouts and stuff and with all that stuff going on, they just didn't know where they needed to work out because all the complexes, all the colleges, they're all shut down and – slowly all the um workout spots started closing down too so it was like it was really big really big deal because we're trying to still get our work in and trying to stay ready because we don't really know what the timeline is and i got lucky enough a place i went to in high school is still open so i'm training at pro advantage right now down in tempe with keith wilson some guys that i trust that got me prepared for my senior season that ultimately got me drafted so I think I'm in a good situation, but I know a lot of people are trying to stay in shape at home and do, do what they can hitting all the, hitting all the time, staying sharp, just trying to, it's like, it's like you're in the off season, but you're not. So (laughs) you have to, (laughs) you have to treat it like you're preparing for a season, but you don't want to burn yourself out kind of thing. So it's, it's different. Nobody's ever experienced anything like this. So it's just, it's a crazy thing to be a part of for sure yeah brennan so i just want to first generally talk about your year last year and you were 19 years old in south bend and you put up insane numbers you actually had some of the best power numbers for a hitter that did not strike out over 20 percent of their plate appearances so that's extremely rare for someone not only your age, but just for power hitters in general. How do you reconcile having such good power numbers, but you're not striking out that much, and you're making pretty frequent contact? Yeah, so something that resonated me with me a lot was Rizzo came in and talked to us a lot about his two-strike approach my first year. And one thing that he said was he hates to strike out, and I hate to strike out too. But like that's even before he talked to us about that it was always like you can't 
you can't help the team at all if you're not putting the ball in play. Stuff mm-hmm. happens if you put the ball in play, and I never go up in that bat looking to hit hit a bomb or hit for power or anything. But when you have a clean swing and you have the right approach and are looking for the right pitch, it's just good things happen. And I think that's what I really focused on this past season was getting my pitch and not missing it. And that just led to me doing more damage. And that's what I'm going to continue to do, just sticking to my approach, putting everything I can in play. I mean, the least, the least you strike out, the more opportunities you get. <laughs> yeah. So, so when did you and Rizzo talk? Did he come talk to the team or was it just you and him having a conversation one-on-one or what was that like? No, he came to our in- instructional league in uh, 2019. So right after my first off season, basically after I got drafted, he came and talked to all the hitters. So it was a pretty cool experience. Yeah. So in terms of like your contact rate and your power, there's few players even in Major League Baseball, to kind of do that. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I, you're well aware of what you can do. But just to put it in perspective, you know, your type of profile similar to those like Albert Pujols or those like even on the Cubs, like Anthony Rizzo. So to be in that type of tier, have you always been a contact type guy or is this something that you kind of grew into within your first two years with the Cubs? No, I think I've, I think my... Sorry, my dog's in the background. I think my strong suit is uh, making contact, putting the ball in play. I think I have a pretty good bat, pretty good bat to ball skills, good good vision at the plate, and that's something I pride myself on too. And I think as I continue to get bigger and stronger, the power will come because it's the same swing. I'm just swinging with a bigger frame and more 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 mass better clean cleaner swing mechanics and whatnot so i just think as my development continues i'll just continue to stick with my put the bat on the ball first and then good things are just going to happen so brendan kind of following along that but but sort of a, a different part of the approach you're one of the best opposite field hitting prospects in the game right now is, is that does that kind of go along those same lines that you're just up there looking to put the bat on the ball and, and hope for stuff for, you know, productive follows or is going to the opposite field, uh, going the opposite way, taking what you're given type of thing. Is, is that part of your approach and thinking too? Um, that's, that's a good, that's a good question. That, that goes way back to when I was in high school, I couldn't go the opposite way to save my life. <laughs> and my buddy's dad worked with me all the time on it. Wid Workman. We spent so many hours in the cage. Just He just fed me balls away, and I wasn't allowed to pull the ball. So I just got so comfortable going the other way. So when it's there, it's just kind of comes pretty natural to me now. Mm-hmm. I don't really have to think twice about it because I'm not trying to just yank, yank, yank. Right. Because that gets you in a, in a bad hole. But I'm at the point in my baseball career where that's he's really put me in a good spot to just – be able to react and go with the pitch after last year after your successful year in south bend did any particular cubs instructors reach out give you ty- uh, some uh, type of developmental plan i know the cubs hired justin stone for example as their new hitting director uh, we've talked with rachel folden who is incredibly knowledgeable with uh, her hitting philosophies what's it like after your first successful year at South Bend and are any of these instructors trying to have you focus on one particular aspect of your game to improve upon or what's it like 
this offseason trying to improve? Uh, it's kind of it's kind of hard because everybody has their own opinions. But Justin Stone and I worked a lot. Me and Chris Valeka worked a lot this offseason. I probably worked the most with Chris Valeka just because he's really hands on and Stones is really intellectual. So it's just how our minor league hitting development works. But I did a lot of KVS stuff, a lot of technology side of it to see how my body moved mm. and to see what stuff we could clean up. And so there's nothing. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. There's nothing really major, I would say, that we were working on, but a lot of little stuff to just clean up motions in my swing and be more efficient and maximize my potential out of my swing. I'm not really sure how to word that, but like just to get the most out of it. What particular outcomes with this technology do you guys use? Is there one like all encompassing metric from this technology, or is it a bunch of different types of numbers? that you and Valeka or you and Justin Stone try to piece together? With the KVS stuff, it, it compares you to what how a body should move, like to create the best possible torque and swing mechanic, like just what the system has seen to be the most efficient, like results-wise. So like <laughs> you kind of compare that to where you're at and everybody swings different, but like it kind of gives you a baseline to just see the difference in swings and like how you should be firing your hips and how you should be like just the connectivity between your body parts. It's kind of, kind of hard to explain. Cause I didn't, I didn't study all this <laughs> like they did, <laughs> but yeah, it makes sense when they're explaining it to me. So when you got drafted, is there a noticeable difference between your training with the Cubs as someone in rookie ball versus your training now uh, ending your year at South Bend. Have you noticed any type of differences within the Cubs developmental teams? Or can you speak to the uh, workouts and your plan from when you got drafted to now? What I really liked about the Cubs was when I first got drafted in rookie ball, they didn't they didn't bring me in and try to change me, change me right away. They wanted to see what I brought to the table and what got me drafted. So I spent the whole rookie ball AZL year and just playing kind of how the way I played and what got me to this point. And then moving forward, you go to instructs, you go to spring training, you start hearing a little more feedback from coaches and all the, all the player, all the people that they have in place to help you be the best player that you can be and then you start picking up the little stuff that helps you and so forth so like i wouldn't say a ton of the training has changed but like kind of the way i look at the training and like the advice people give while i'm doing it it has been a lot a lot more in depth because i'm i'm more ready for it kind of you know like Mm -hmm. just baby steps they didn't want to just throw all this information at me and then I'm just drowning because I don't know how to apply it all, but they give me piece by piece, and I just keep building onto it. So, Brendan, your athleticism and size are, are pretty rare for players, especially of your age. And I, and I know this is kind of looking down the road a little bit, but how do you see yourself developing going forward and eventually as a big leader you know like do you look at yourself as maybe growing into more of a power hitter even if that means not stealing as many bases or maybe not staying in center field or are you hoping to find that middle ground there how do, how do you see that uh playing out just as far as your athleticism and size yeah um 
honestly, I whatever whatever their needs are, I will I will build my body to fit them. <laughs> That's a good answer. If they need me to bulk up and play a corner, then I can do that. If they want me to stay stay fast and light, then I can do that. But hopefully, I'm gonna try to find a middle ground and be a combination of all of it. Try to be strong, get bigger, stay fast and just be able to do it all so I can play all three positions. And I, you, and I think that's something that we see a lot from guys that have come up. I know Ian Happ has talked about wanting to be as versatile as possible. Nico has said similar things. So kind of yeah. trying to be versatile and being willing to do whatever seems to be at least a consistent theme for a lot of the guys coming up in the Cubs system. Yeah, <laughs> that's, you got to fill, fill the need, and that's, that's the name of the game. So one thing I, I wanted to ask about, and, and I don't know how many of our listeners are, are deep into social media and stuff, but just wanted to ask you about uh, some of the relationships with your teammates. Like I know I see on your Instagram you're with guys like Cole Franklin a lot. As as young guys coming up in this system, obviously the Cubs organization, one that is heavily scrutinized, has a lot of expectations and things like that. How important is that camaraderie and, and being able to go on this journey with guys that you're you're close to and are, you know, kind of going through a similar experience where they're now climbing up these prospect rankings, their names are getting recognized more and you can kind of go through this experience together. Yeah, I think it's really important because it it builds a sense of brotherhood that we like guys like me, Cole Franklin, Cole Roeder, like high school guys like that, that we missed out, we missed out of by choosing to forego college. Right. And it's like, it's not like we're not brothers with our college teammates either, but it's just a little different because they're not going through the same thing that we are. We're 20 years old playing with a bunch of 20, 22, 23, 24 year old guys. And it can be, it can be hard for a lot of guys and just being able to be with guys that are in the same situation as you and knowing you have people in your corner that got your back and are dealing with the same issues that you are is just it's a it's kind of like a brush a breath of fresh air like i'm roommates with cole franklin cole roeder cam sanders ryan jensen now and dj artist a lot of a lot of great guys a lot of great athletes but it's just knowing that those kind of guys have your back just really makes you be able to go out there and play your best because you know you can come home to guys that are going to back you up and have similar stuff to talk about. Brennan, what was the process like of being scouted by the Cubs uh, through the uh, drafting process? Was there ever this internal struggle of wanting to go to college to play uh, baseball? Or is it pretty apparent to you that, hey, you wanted to go into baseball and that was your main target but can you speak to the process of being scouted by the cubs maybe some interactions with their scouts as well yeah so i think i got my first look from the cubs probably fall of my senior year after a good performance at the jupiter perfect game tournament so i had a in-home visit with steve mcfarland he was my area scout and things went well they were just asking me questions about myself and whatnot and then they came and saw me in the season a few times, actually. I'm not really sure what games because, like, try not to look in the stands because <laughs> you just get you get in your own way sometimes. But 
I don't know if I played well at the games they're at, but they seemed to like me enough to invite me to their pre-draft workout. So I actually got to go to, (laughs) excuse me. Bless you. I actually got to go to Wrigley and have a pre-draft workout at Wrigley. So that was kind of awesome. Whether the Cubs took me or not, just being able to play at a historic ballpark like that is just for a, a, a high school senior, just unbelievable. Um, and then at the pre-draft workout, I was able to meet and talk with all the front office guys, get to know them, get to know what the minor leagues in the Cubs system was like. And they just gave me a really good layout of what my future would be like if the Cubs were to draft me. Were you ever debating going to play college baseball? Or like, did you know right away that you just wanted to get your career going and get that type of big league development as a senior in high school? Oh, it was it was a really tough decision, honestly, because my mom was big into me getting my education and I was also a good student in high school. So it wasn't like I was avoiding going to school mm-hmm. by choosing pro ball, but it ultimately came down to which whichever path I saw, because ultimately I wanted to be a big leaguer and whichever route was going to get me to the big leagues. And I thought the, de- the development in the minor leagues would be better than college development just because the coaches the amount of reps and if the team makes an investment in me then the security of them wanting me to succeed and them putting me in every opportunity that I could to succeed and that was what really made me decide to go the pro route over college so kind of going off of that, Brendan, and, and the ultimate goal of, of getting to the big leagues, we I, I would have to think, and you know I, I don't necessarily follow other organizations as closely as the Cubs, obviously, but I, I would have to think that for someone in your position and, and a lot of guys uh, that you're playing with that, that you've already mentioned here, the, the Cubs had to have been for not just the obvious reasons, the, the history, but they, they must have been a, a very appealing and exciting organization to be a part of, as, as we've seen you know, in these last few years here, the heavy emphasis on younger players, developing those players, and being able to see so many guys that were 23, 24 years old accelerate through the system, be thrown right into the playoff mix, and, and ultimately winning a World Series. It's got to be an exciting organization to be a part of, knowing that the, the, the proof is right there. If you're putting in the work and you are checking all the boxes you, you you know you don't have to be 28 years old to get a chance on this team you can get thrown in there and, and get a chance to compete for division titles and, and pennants and world series whenever you're ready to go exactly that's it's exactly where my mind was at too i like the way that they ran their system i like the way that their development was and they weren't afraid to take chances on guys and that's something you you want to know going into it knowing that you're not going to just get stuck behind somebody because he has his 10 years and he's kind of washed up. But to be able to give guys chances and opportunities is is a big deal. Yeah, you look at Nico Horner last year, for example, and, you know, he came up in September. He became ultimately the Cubs starting shortstop with Javi Baez down. And, I mean, at least for you, Brennan, with your potential to be accelerated through the system – that has to be pretty surreal as a 20-year-old, and you could be making a significant impact as soon as the next year or two. That has to be pretty special 
especially given where you are right now in your career? Yeah, I mean, I got drafted with the guy, and he was already making his big league debut. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty, pretty crazy. It's pretty wild. But so, Nico deserved it. He works so freaking hard, and he's just an unbelievable player. So I'm glad that they gave him the opportunity. How how do you go into an off season and design a training resume? I know, um, you know, I'm not, I was never as good as a player as you when I was in high school, but it was always a, a point of emphasis of all of our individual routines and training resumes. But it was hard to design or think to design what is the best type of way to go about improving. So when you end the season and you take a few weeks off or a month off, or whatever it is, how do you design what you need to, to improve upon? What is that process like? I think it kind of starts right at the end of our, like, our season because we have end-of-the-year meetings. We talk with all the coordinators. We're talking with our manager. We're getting the feedback from everybody that has been watching us for the past five, six months, all the way back in it, from spring training. And like just knowing what you've improved on since the beginning and what you still need to improve on is just, you can see it yourself, but it's always nice hearing it coming from somebody else as well, just to reassure that you're working on the right kind of stuff. And then from there, you just form a plan on how you want to attack it. Hitting wise, they kind of want me to take a break right after season, like let my body reset and not just so I'm not killing myself getting after it a month after season so my hitting resume was i started to ramp up a little bit in december like just started hitting again january i started hitting almost almost every day with my hitting coordinator and i'm really lucky being in arizona because most of the coordinators live here or come here at some point in the off season so it's really nice because i get to work with the guys that in the end make the decisions and they're the ones who give me the feedback. So it's really nice working with the source and it's, it's a big help, I think. And that's really what's going to make my development so much easier because I can always have the complex, the, our spring trading complex that's here. It's always mm-hmm. going to be here and it's always going to be available to me except right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, But it just makes developing really 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 easy for me i guess because it's always here it's just being having the discipline to put in the work in the off season all right so brendan uh we appreciate your time want to get you out of here shortly one one last kind of you know more uh casual question for you uh it's it's two parts uh in the last couple days uh ian happ and and some of the guys that he's hold up with during this time have started their own podcast so my, my questions for you are one can we expect you on said podcast at some point and two do you think you and maybe some of the other minor leaguers will start a competing podcast <laughs> um for part one probably not gonna feature in his podcast unless he reaches out <laughs> okay part two um i could see if if my roommates all my roommates are back home right now so i don't really have the the firepower to compete but if i had all my roommates here we could have a competing podcast we're funny guys i i think <laughs> especially now there there's the need for content so i mean we we would certainly listen yeah. but uh 
Brennan, it's it's been a pleasure. Uh, as we kind of said at the outset, if you guys have not been following along with Brennan's career, you should start doing so now because it is going to be a name you are going to be hearing a lot of and I think seeing at Wrigley Field uh, at some point in the near future here. So Brennan, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, hope you're you know staying safe out there and uh, we really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks again for having me. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax Oxygen System is here. Doctor-approved, clinically tested, at-home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to HypermaxOxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? HypermaxOxygen.com. That's HypermaxOxygen.com. The following is a true story. I had a lady that was in her mid-70s, and I'd sold her timeshare, and that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare. Chuck McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently. Called her and everybody that I'd sold timeshare to, and I said, this is what I said to you that was a lie, and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that point, people started referring friends to me to help them cancel the timeshare, and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. If we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare or we'll give your money back. That's what makes us different. Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-885-4884. That's 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884.